0: Hello and welcome to episode three of the Bolf podcast with me, Ben. And me, also Ben. How are you today, Ben?
1: Yeah, I'm doing good, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, myself. Good, good, good. Before we start this week's podcast, we wanted to do a little bit just based on Bolf itself rather than just worrying about the football because we realised that we haven't actually explained what Bolf means yet. So, Ben, do you want to explain the backstory, first of all, to the name?
0: OK, well, there was once upon a time we were playing a nine hole and we were on the course. We just decided that a fun concept would, would be to film us playing golf. And together there and then, two friends called Ben came up with the concept of both. Exactly. So obviously, like Ben said, it it was supposed to be a golf channel.
1: Uh, or, and obviously that wouldn't in, involve getting out onto the golf course which we haven't been able to do recently. So, like we said before, the, the you know, a good idea would be to turn it into a podcast and then turn it back into a golf show once we can kind of do so basically. So, we did that how long ago did we form both? It was 2018. Yeah, it was like my first first to second year of university, so like two thousand eighteen, two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen, 2017, 2018. And we've managed to post one video. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, we did, we, we, we kind of, we filmed quite a bit. It might seem like we haven't done anything because we haven't done anything, but um, we have actually, we've recorded a fair bit, haven't we?
0: Yeah, I think one of our golfing experiences was that we did a random weekend away, which was where me and you would decide a random place in the UK and we would literally drive there and play a round of golf there.
1: Yeah, and obviously the idea was we we try and find the cheapest place to stay and the kind of best golf course for a reasonable price. And again, we did it. We recorded ourselves driving there. We recorded ourselves uh, the night before staying where we were staying and stuff. And it 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 turned out okay. The problem was on the day that we chose, we didn't check the weather forecast, and it absolutely tipped it down. I seem to remember.
0: That is true. Where did we go again?
1: Went to Church Stretton, which is up near, where is it? It's
0: near Wales, not far from Wales.
1: Yeah, I can't remember the exact area. It was like, it began with an, I can't remember. Yeah, was, Shrewsbury. About, yeah, that was the one. Shrewsbury. About an hour, hour and a half drive.
0: Yeah. And we were, we were planning on, do, hoping to do this sort of like once a month, weren't we? But the first time we did it was the 6th of March 2020. <laughs> And obviously, about two weeks later, the national lockdown occurred. It's oh, that's great! It's great fun. That went our hopes of making a video a month. Yeah, I think it it would have been a good idea. It wasn't particularly expensive. I don't. I it wasn't no. As well,
1: it was it was what twenty quid for where we stayed each, twenty quid for the, the round. So, and then I think we spent like a tenner each on Chinese. and beer (laughs) but yeah so it wasn't wasn't too bad really so that'll be i think that'll be something fun to get on with kind of once we are kind of back in the back in the swing of things in terms of being able to go and do stuff the other thing that we've we've done with both that again we we tried to video for but again it didn't really work out was the challenge for mcmillan if you've seen our instagram page if you're coming from our instagram page you would have seen that we released a trailer. For the longest day in golf, <laughs> <A> clever <laughs> spin on the longest day in golf. That was basically us raising, I think we raised a surplus of about £1,600 for McMillan Cancer Research, which is probably one of the, the proudest moments of my life. I think that's probably one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah, that, that was a good experience. We, we were out on the golf course for about, on the first day, we were out for what? nearly 10 12 hours yeah it was a bit annoying
0: because obviously the challenge is to do four rounds in one day but with this whole lockdown thing occurring we weren't able to do this until september so we only could fit in three rounds on one day and then we did the next round the other day which it's not the same obviously as four rounds in one day and i think we said that we were we were hoping to do it again this year if we can and make sure that we do four rounds in one day Yeah.
1: And I think that the main thing would probably be try and find someone or a couple of people who would be happy to come down and help film in stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Because it was an absolute nightmare. (laughs) Honestly, God, you get to that. We got to that third round. I don't think I actually filmed anything.
0: No, I remember doing. I remember doing one vlog from when I woke up that morning, and I did a five-minute video in bed. And I don't think I filmed anything again since.
1: I actually, I found that quite recently. It was, <laughs> it's one of the funniest things I've ever ever watched. It was amazing. I, should... I did the same. I did the same. To be fair, I think I, I even videoed part of my drive down. I think I had my phone on a stand. And...
0: I think we should just upload the vlogs to YouTube, and I'll do. Yeah, just it'll have no context. No one will know what they are, but.
1: Yeah, we've, we've we've done a lot with both. We've still got a lot planned. Obviously, yeah. once we once we can get out, and once I think once everything calms down, because I think the problem was is obviously you were when we when we started both we were both in university. You and when we got mainly into it, you were in kind of your final year of your degree. Yeah, I'm in the final year of my masters now, so it's not really been the best time to do it so i think once we've got kind of once well, certainly once i've got out of university and got a job and i can kind of commit to just weekends say i don't know if that's going to be a thing but hypothetically it, it'll be a lot hopefully be a lot easier to do and obviously we'll have a bit of money to invest into as well and speaking of investing money you might think that we sound incredible right now I, I and be, that's because the both boys have gone and invested in brand spanking new microphones Cheap little things on uh, on Amazon.
0: This is for all. The, this is for all the all the haters that say that say that I sound robotic.
1: Yeah, it's mainly just Max. <laughs> Shout out
0: to Max. Can't be saying I sound robotic now, can you?
1: Exactly. Nice sound robotic, but you also sound really good. <laughs> so yeah, that, I think that's that's enough about about us. If he wants to hear about us, we're pretty boring. Shall we move on to? I would say this week's Premier League fixtures, but it's more like last week's Premier League fixtures, isn't it?
0: Yeah, we can. We're hoping to change this so that we we sort of do the podcast after a, the weekend games to make it a bit more easier to just follow. You know, it's a bit confusing having listening to the weeks before games. Mm. Well, I think it's it's always
1: going to be a bit difficult. Yeah. But hopefully, we'll we'll kind of get ourselves improving a little bit, and yeah, hopefully, if we can do it over over. On a different day potentially every week or we can work out when when the fixtures are, then we can we can kinda of go from there. But I suppose the first one we really want to talk about would be the kind of main fixture of the week, which would be the mighty clash of Man City versus Liverpool, a clash that in any other circumstance would realistically decide who wins the league. It did so, but not in quite in the fashion we
0: thought it would obviously manchester city came out winners of 4-1 against liverpool which that, that, that's a massive result in for manchester city and in terms of the title you'd say you know manchester city winning that liverpool losing you know the, could you say they're out of the title race now now they're battling for top four potentially and maybe even struggling to get that and i think manchester city has just they also set a record of 15 consecutive wins which no other no other team has ever done that. Fifteen wins in a row, and I think you just can't look past another title from a another Premier League title from Manchester City this year.
1: Yeah, I think they've they've had a few players that have certainly kind of stepped up. I think there's been a lot made of Manchester City's teams over the last few few years. Kind of the main argument being that Pep had what was pretty much a a winning side the inherited and he, he didn't really get a chance to kind of improve the players in it and really give them, you know, some some staying power, if you like, for the top of the league, but I think what he's done he hasn't really bought in any new players necessarily that were absolute worldies, but a bit like Klopp, he's bought in some players that are, are fairly decent and made them into really, really good players. You look at someone who's been in unbelievable form as of late, is uh, Ilkay Gundogan. He has. He's he scored quite a few, actually, even in the in the FA Cup he I think he scored didn't he he or did i making that up
0: yeah uh, speaking of which he did just win the player of the month this year for, uh, for this year sorry this month uh just January
1: yeah I think it's it's been it's certainly been interesting kind of seeing the way Manchester City have progressed and I now think they are at a place so bringing in Ruben Diaz and bringing in these kind of players that I think they could they could you know do a not do a Man United and do twenty years because I don't think that's possible anymore. But kind of become a very serious Premier League team where before they might not have been kind of thing. As w- as well as kind of Gundogan and how good he's been. One one key player to think about would be Phil Foden. I don't think as as much as he gets all his plaudits, he doesn't really. I still think he's slightly underrated, which is is mental considering the way people talk about him. But just just how good is he, Ben?
0: Um, I think you have to just take for the fact that he's only twenty years old, and you look at how good he is. Imagine how much better he can get. Like he's seven, he's like seven, eight years away from his peak. Imagine how good he'll be then. And you have to look at the way that Pep managed Messi, and you know, trained him, and what Messi learned from Guardiola. Potentially, Phil Foden has the characteristics and the ability to be- become as as good as Messi was.
1: Yeah, he's definitely... His goal against against Liverpool was a classic example of it. He, he knows... He seems to understand the game well beyond his years. He's very clearly very technically gifted. He's obviously a very clever player. And he works hard. I don't think there's anything... There's nothing you can critique him about on the pitch at all. No. I don't think he does anything wrong. Which is, obviously, if you were going to be compared to the likes of Messi and Ronaldo... Even they do the occasional things wrong, and I don't really, apart from a few things that will come with maturity, I don't see anything stopping Phil Foden being certainly in contention for Ballon d'Ors and best player, you know, best current player in the world in five, ten years time.
0: Yeah, I think it I think surprise me. I think with under under Guardiola, I think that will make sure that he stays, you know, on he'll stay grounded, he'll stay on track. Guardiola will always sort of tell him that he's not there yet. And I think under him, you'll know that you can always improve and push on. And I think that's the key for Phil Foden is having a manager like Guardiola.
1: Yeah, definitely. I suppose... Going from talking about one of the best managers in the Premier League to arguably the man that you recently would have called the best manager in the league, maybe not so much right now, would be Jurgen Klopp. And, and what's going on with his Liverpool team? It's it's crazy. I don't think I've ever seen a team fall off like this. And they've not even necessarily been playing that badly. But I think the game that did it for me that kind of showed that Man City weren't going to take this line down was the game just after they won the title where Man City had to give them a guard of honour. Man City clearly went out that day. And were ready to kill kind of thing they they just absolutely smashed him from the from kind of the minute go and I just kind of think after that point, Liverpool haven't really done anything like they what well, they bought Thiago in that's fair enough you know they've they've bought little you know players in here and there, but they haven't really they haven't added to the squad as much as you'd think, certainly you know they've brought in fullbacks who don't get in ahead of trend they've bought in you know, forwards they bought in Jota. He's probably the exception to to kind of go with. But it it feels like there's been just not enough investment. And when there has been investment, talking you know about as we mentioned last week, the two centre backs he bought in, it feels a bit like once once the second or third goal went in. Why leave Jordan Henderson at centre back when it's clearly not working?
0: No, just um, bring
1: off, bring off one of the midfielders or whoever it is. Stick one of the centre backs on and just let him have a go because they're going to be better at centre back than Jordan Henderson.
0: Yeah, I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about with this whole with Liverpool winning the title last year. It kind of sounded like with the 30 year wait, it, they won the title and like that was it in a way, in a sense because it's been so long that they, since they won it, they weren't looking ahead and seeing, oh, can we win the title next year? You look at the great teams at, sort of the Chelsea, the Man United, even Man City, after they win a title, their next thought was, to, what can we do to win the Premier League next year? And I don't think that was with Liverpool this year. I think they were, you know, it's been 30 years since they last won a Premier League title. I think they, you know, they enjoyed the moment, they lived it. And I, I think this year, they've not been in the right frame of mind to go out and win another Premier League title. Yeah. And the thing
1: for me is, I mentioned it last week, and I'll say it again, is that a lot of Liverpool fans you hear will just say, oh, well, we, we haven't bought because you'd never expect all of your centre-backs to get injured and you know have this many injuries. But again, there are meetings at football teams that talk about worst-case scenario. In everything that you do in life, you have to think of, if you're planning something, what's the worst-case scenario? What's the worst output? So technically, the worst output should have been that every single player gets injured, do we have enough to replace the whole starting eleven? And then again, yeah. now realistically, it's not feasible to go out and buy twenty-two players in a window. But you've got Matip. Matip's not particularly young, is he? No. He's certainly not ancient, but you know he's not particularly young. Van Dyke You never would expect what happened to him. That's fine. Fabinho's is not particularly young. Henderson's not particularly young. So in that kind of defensive area, you should know injuries are going to happen. You know. That it's a bit like being shocked if James Milner got injured. <laughs> like, you know, he's he's sat home making videos on TikTok of like starting elevens with this stuff in his house. I don't think I've seen that. No, I've seen that one. They're so funny. <laughs> so funny. But um Yeah, well, and I just I, I just think what they've kind of lacked is just that kind of plan B to keep the team in as a normal shape as possible. I think the main thing that they're missing out on is Jordan Henderson in the middle. I don't yeah. know, I don't know if you agree, but I yeah, think he, I think he he's was a, a very big miss. He
0: was a very key part of their title winning season last year, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, he's he's kind of that N'Golo Kante role where he's just an engine. It'll just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. And then he's combined with obviously the leadership that not very many players have, which is why I think even if Liverpool came like tenth, I'd still have him at the Euros, as the captain of England.
0: Well, I think I you can. I think you can look at it as with how Liverpool have been with their injuries this season. You could look at it where they were, in a way, lucky last year to not have received these injuries. Like imagine last year, had Van Dijk got injured, would they have won the league? Well, with based on how they've been performing this year, you could say they probably would not have won the league. Maybe, obviously, you know, Van Dijk's a very good player, and they could still have gone on to win the league. But if you, in terms of how. They've dealt without him this year. Obviously, they've had a lot, a few more injuries, but that stems from Jurgen Klopp not having the squad basically using the same same players week in, week out, and the injuries have just caught up to them this year. Uh,
1: I don't really understand why, but you you saw that Liverpool over the summer were linked with a lot of players. They were linked with like they were linked with Timo Werner. Now, obviously, looking back, that that transfer is probably looking. Like it's a good job that it didn't happen. But uh, He's getting some form back.
0: Uh, listen to me here. Bro,
1: he got an assist. It's not form. <laughs> he
0: got two assists for winning a penalty. I
1: don't, I don't, we'll talk about FPL later <laughs> on man. But yeah, I think they were linked with were they linked with Koulibaly as well, I think.
0: Yes. Yeah, they were. And they didn't
1: splash the cash for him. I don't know why. He's literally one of the best centre-backs in the world. And they're like, nah, we'll just get Ben Davis. It doesn't, it doesn't really make any sense to me why over the summer they didn't invest early because it wasn't a long summer either so they needed to get players in early and whilst they bought in jota that's great but when you look at liverpool the first thing you'd think of isn't oh that attack's a bit crap innit? it you think oh we need we clearly need to sort out the defense you know the the fullbacks and all this kind of stuff not necessarily replace them but just have some people there that can kind of can kind of just do a job and i think they've kind of got that a little bit but it's still it's still not looking good for them to be fair i, I it might even be a trouble for him to get top four. Is that too intense to say?
0: No, I don't think that's uh, without a doubt, uh, without a reach of Liverpool. Um, I think you have to look at all the teams around them. There's a lot of teams competing for the top four. You know, the United, Chelsea, potentially coming back into the top four, Spurs, Arsenal, Leicester, West Ham are obviously up there and Aston Villa on good form. I think Liverpool, you know, obviously there's a lot of fixtures you know, during, you know, the February and eight, uh, March. And I think if Liverpool don't turn up soon, I think they're in a real battle to not even qualify for Champions League next year. Yeah, I think their downfall, to be honest, has been mainly how good, not necessarily all the teams,
1: but certainly the teams that you wouldn't expect to be that good. Like Man United, I think, have thrown a massive spanner in the works for Liverpool. Yeah. Um, because to be honest, I think if we're going off last season's performances realistically what you're probably going to expect is Liverpool and Man City to be neck and neck for a bit and then around now one of them separate. I think Man United have taken enough points off of enough teams that they've just put that little bit of pressure on Liverpool and to be honest they have just capitulated. Liverpool haven't been as aggressive, they haven't been anything really, they've just kind of played football like, you know, Leeds put more effort in than Liverpool that is true. and Leeds are 16th. So I don't I don't really respect the opinion that oh it's all cuz of injuries cuz half sometimes they genuinely don't look like they're making an effort. Uh-huh. And I think when you're that kind of level of footballer there's no excuse not to run for the whole 90 minutes. You shouldn't like you saw James Milner didn't want to come off. That's the attitude that should be had by all of them. And yet you've got like Wayne Aldam and Mane who are or Wayne certainly wanting to move to Barcelona who doesn't even care he's fees at Liverpool. You know, I think and I think that's one of the things why certainly Jurgen Klopp's playing the youngsters and obviously you've got Curtis Jones up against Phil Foden. Um, And whilst I like Curtis Jones, I think he's a good player. Um, Do we have to start talking, You know, going back to Man City, do we have to start talking about potentially one of England's best ever players in Phil Foden?
0: Well, I wouldn't say he's one of England's best ever players, but I think he has the potential to become, um, I think certainly right now, he's England's best youngster. I think England have got a real you know, sort of next generation coming through. You look at Bakayo Saka, you look at Mason Greenwood, Phil Foden, uh, Harvey Barnes, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. There's so many young England players coming through the ranks now and getting game time week in, week out in the Premier League. And, to, you know, they're all calling out for a place in the Euro 2020 squad, 2021 obviously this year. Um, and I think it's it's a good time to be an England fan.
1: Yeah, I think, Well, I mean, it would be a good time to be an England fan, but we don't have the manager for that at the minute. But that's kind of beside the point. But yeah, I mean, just to kind of finish on the Man City-Liverpool point, Man City do look like they're going to go on and win the title. I can't really see a world in which they don't. Do you think Liverpool have got any chance?
0: No, it's Man City all day long. I think think Man City potentially could even do the quadruple. Obviously, in the Carabao Cup final with Spurs, and I can see Man City winning that there. I think they're hands-on down to win the Premier League. They're still, obviously, in the FA Cup quarterfinals. They got a quarterfinal tie against Everton. So, obviously, we'll have to see how that goes. And then, obviously, they're still in the Champions League as well.
1: Yeah, they're not winning the Champions League. You never know. (laughs) I just don't. I don't rate Pep in the Champions League. But one thing we mentioned last week, and I just want to quickly go on to that Carabao Cup point. People are, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's Man City, Man City will win all day. But last week we did say that if you were to pick a manager to beat a team in one game, who would you pick? We both said Jose Mourinho. That is true. So does that mean that he, because he could now be putting all of his free time that he has, even though it's probably not a lot, in thinking how we can beat this Man City team in that final. Because the league's not going to happen. They're not going to win the champ. Well, they're not even in the Champions League. So is it just more worth them, kind of working out a strategy where they can play the best team possible whilst also resting key players. And then they can get to that game against Man City with the strongest squad possible. And let's not forget, Jose Mourinho has already beaten Pep this year 2-0. So I don't think Man City are a shoe in for that Carabao Cup. We shall have to see. Well
0: no, That is true. Um, obviously, the last game Manchester City lost was that game to Spurs. And then since then, they've obviously gone on their 15-game win streak. Obviously, Spurs, you could say they're obviously in the FA Cup as well. They're, no, they're not, obviously. So, they just lost to Everton 5-4, which was we'll, we'll speak about that. Obviously, they beat West Brom 2-0 at the weekend, just gone. Overshadowed the return of Harry Kane. How integral is he to the Spurs team?
1: Uh, I mean there is no Spurs without Harry Kane, really, is there? I mean, I know that's kind of the point of your captain, but it's a bit pathetic, to be honest. I think Jose Mourinho without Harry Kane, you know, they lose to Brighton, they lost to Liverpool. Just uh, just flimsy without him, to be honest. He could definitely be somewhere a lot better, but I think he, he obviously loves being a Tottenham player. I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> but to be honest, I just don't think... I think whilst he's still there, potentially... He's not necessarily holding them back. But you know those teams where you always rely on one player? Yeah. It might actually be more worth Spurs selling him and then relying on like four players. You know what I mean?
0: Well, there's this whole talk with Spurs in there without winning a trophy and that's why they brought Mourinho in to win a trophy and their trophy drought has gone on for quite a while now. And um I can do you think that Harry Kane would get restless without winning trophies because everyone knows what a good player he is and he, he deserves to be winning, you know, Premier League titles, Champions League titles, potentially is that good of a striker. You know, I could be the second best striker in the world to Robert Lewandowski. Do you, can you see him potentially leaving Spurs if they don't win a trophy, you know, sort of in the next, let's say, two seasons?
1: It's interesting because with Kane, the way I look at it is he's kind of been in football as long as money's been in football, if that makes sense. So I'm assuming he's probably one of the highest paid players at Spurs. And if I just give you a little idea, you're Harry Kane. You've got a wife and two or three kids now. Yeah. You're living in London. You're on 200 plus grand a week or 100 grand a week, whatever it is. And you're at a team that are pretty much qualifying for the Champions League. And you, you make an effort, but you don't really have to make that much of an effort. And even if you do, you can just go to the board and say, yeah, just set the manager, it's clear, not us, it's the manager. <laughs> I think I think Harry, Harry Kane might be a, a grou- like a group of players that because of the way they've entered into football with that much kind of money there, that might just be happy to just sit and just be really good rather than great. Because Ronaldo, he was around when there was kind of money. But he's been around like before when it was like, you look at like, the Man United teams and the, like, all the shirts were baggy and all this kind of stuff. Whereas now it's all, you know, there's obviously been a lot more investment into it and that means a lot more investment into the players. I don't know with Harry Kane whether there's that drive. I think he definitely wants to win something. Everyone wants to win something, but I don't know if he wants it more than, say, his cushy little number in, in London.
0: Yeah, I think that's what set Ronaldo and Messi apart, doesn't it? The drive to wanting to win things. Like I'm if I if I'm Harry Kane, I I want to be winning the Premier League. You know, you're twenty seven. You know, he's seven or twenty eight. He's, he's he's not getting on, but he doesn't have you know that that many years left in without winning a Premier League title. You know, you look at all the other good premier league strikers could you say that they've had a better legacy than harry kane look at drogba he's obviously not scored as many goals but he's won premier league titles he's won the champions league is he a better striker than harry kane
1: well i mean that that's the thing harry kane doesn't have a legacy at the minute but does he need one because he will be the club legend of tottenham you know what i mean so if tottenham then do go and win something Then it still kind of falls into his bracket because he's that legend and whatever. Yeah. I just don't know. I don't know if he has the drive. I think he's obviously a very, very good player. But again, I think, and I think to be honest, I think he works hard for the team. It's not even necessarily about questioning how much he wants it, it's about questioning what he's willing to do in terms of off the pitch stuff.
0: Yeah, to... you, can, you can see when he comes in deep and he brings the other players such as Son, he brings sun play. Son is a different player with Harry Kane and you can see the willingness that he is to, you know, drop deep, play the balls and obviously just make the Tottenham team much better when he's in it.
1: Yeah, I think it wouldn't surprise me if Harry Kane in the future wins Ballon d'Ors and things like that. But he's only got, really, three, maybe three to five years in his prime, if that. He's got to win something soon. Let, you know? yeah, let me
0: ask you, would you rather, if you were Harry Kane, would you rather be the top scorer for the, let's say, Premier League and Spurs? Uh, so, you know, you beat Shearer's record, you're a top goal scorer for Tottenham, but you win no trophies, or you go to, let's say, I don't know, Barcelona or top, like Man City... Barcelona, Real Madrid and you win the league there and the Champions League but you're not sort of like renowned as like Tottenham's best player the Premier League's best player it's it's an interesting one because actually I
1: think there's a little part of me that would go yeah you should go to Barcelona win something but winning the league of BBVA and winning the Premier League are two completely different things
0: but what if he's not going to win it with? what if he's not going to win Like, do you ever think that Spurs will win it well, this is,
1: this is the point that I'm trying to make, is that winning the league with Man City for Harry Kane would be impressive. But it's also, they've done it five times, let's say, and, and then he joins after they've done it five times. It's not that impressive. If he wins the Premier League with Spurs, that will be the greatest achievement, one of the greatest achievements of any, you know, you look at like Jamie Vardy when he won it with Leicester. Yeah. Jamie Vardy isn't necessarily that good a footballer. But everyone was talking about him like he was one of the greats because of the way he, Mares and Kante kind of dragged that team through and got him playing. So I think Harry Kane will stay at Spurs because I think he's not doing badly and I think the prospect of winning something is obviously going to be very key. And I think now they've had Jose Mourinho, the board at Tottenham, will know how to deal with those kind of managers and I think they'll, they'll be better suited to... To bring in someone someone else. I don't know who'd go to Tottenham after Jose Mourinho if he got sacked, but I think Jose Mourinho isn't gonna win anything there. I don't necessarily know about Harry Kane though. I think Harry Kane will win something with Tottenham. But he's for me I'd just move,
0: to be honest. Yeah. Um I think especially when you're when you're that when you're too good of a player that Harry Kane is, arguably on his day, one of the best players in the Premier League to not be winning anything. Um, but potentially maybe he's just trying to do what like like you said Vardy did for Liverpool he's trying to do it for Spurs but then could you say that could be wasting his career you look at sort of Steven Gerrard he had the chance to move to Chelsea a couple of times and he could have easily won a the league there but he stayed at Liverpool and obviously he's a Liverpool legend but you know maybe deep down he'd always regret that he'd never won the Premier League as a player
1: Yeah I think with Steven Gerrard and people like that I think if if you're a player who's come from I don't know, you used to play for a random team somewhere else, like name off the top of my head, like Exeter, you've come through their academy and somehow worked your way up at a young age to get to Liverpool. You wouldn't, you then wouldn't really mind moving from Liverpool to Chelsea or whatever, because it doesn't really make a difference to you who you play for, whether it's Liverpool or Chelsea. You're not going to be a legend either. Yeah. Harry Kane and Steven Gerrard, I'm assuming, were kind of born to love the team they play for now. Yeah. So, I don't think it's about the football. I just think there's no way Harry Kane would want to w- want to move because I think he just loves the club too much. And that will probably be one of the things that people will say, yeah, but you never won anything. He probably, if I'm honest, will not care no. because his dream as a kid would probably have been to play for, play for Tottenham. It's like Phil Foden. If Phil Foden got the offer to go to Chelsea when he's 25, he's not going to go. No, he, you know he, you've seen the pictures coming out recently of him at, when he's like nine years old, walking out with the Manchester City team as a mascot. So I, I think Harry Kane will stay at Spurs, and whether he wins anything or not, he'll he'll go down as one of the great strikers. He just won't he won't be in that upper echelon like yeah. Alan Shearer didn't really win anything, and yet he's one of the best. And what he won the Premier League? Did he win the Premier League or the Yeah, first he did division.
0: Yeah, cool. One prime example I can think of is Robin Van Persie. So he was like a great striker at Arsenal but he never was renowned to be one of the sort of the best. I like, I wouldn't say one of the best strikers in the Premier League but then he had his move to Manchester United and then he won the Premier League there because his desire to win the Premier League was very strong. Obviously he had no Sort of, he didn't come through the academies out of the other team, so he had no sort of loyalties, but he his desire to win the Premier League was there, and he can now say that he's a Premier League winner. Well, you know, you look at some of the other Premier League greats that didn't win the Premier League is, and does that sort of affect their legacy in comparison to other Premier League players that have won the Premier League title?
1: It's certainly an interesting one. In terms of the, obviously, the only way we can relate Harry Kane to what we're both interested in, I'd say, would be for England. In terms of kind of what England want to be doing going forward, I think it's probably better that he stays at Spurs and becomes that legend figure. Because that way, when he goes to England, there's going to be no animosity between everyone. He just plays for Spurs just because he loves it. He doesn't care about any other team. He just cares about Spurs. So I think for the England conversation, I'd prefer him to stay at Spurs. For him, he'd probably want to go. And move somewhere else, but I don't think he will unless they get rid of Son. I think mean, if they get rid of Son, Harry Kane goes.
0: No, I don't think they'll ever get rid of Son.
1: So that's what I mean. I don't think they'll ever get rid of Harry Kane then.
0: <laughs> well, it seems like Spurs are stuck with him, but I wouldn't be complaining if they're stuck with you.
1: What I mean, to be fair, imagine complaining about Harry Kane. <laughs> that is actually pathetic.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. we'll see how Harry Kane Square finishes. When we're on our, like, you know, 450th episode, we'll see how he's doing that. Four hundred
1: and fifty episode and 12 listeners.
0: Alright, so on uh, Harry Kane, i say one of the other big games of that weekend was the Manchester United versus Everton. And that resulted in a 3 all draw.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I would say it's not surprising, but it kind of is. I mean, Man United defensively have been fairly decent. Obviously, they keep conceding and then coming back to win it. So they haven't been that good, but they've been better. I don't know where this 3-0 came from to be honest. I think Everton obviously attacking wise have got some like unbelievable players. A bit of a weird one. I didn't I didn't watch the game but you can see I looked at the stats afterwards and stuff like that. It looked like at one time or another both teams felt like they had a control on the game. And then yeah. it just went and it was it's just a mental game to be honest.
0: Um, well, yeah, I watched the game, and obviously, Manu went 2 0 into half time, and all, out of nowhere, the second half, they just collapsed. You know, you could look at the hay of that game. Did he have a good game? No, he didn't. He was at, at fault for the first goal, you know, just powering it out to Decore. Uh, the last goal, he didn't. Uh, you know, uh, Calvert Lewin, he didn't, he didn't rush out. He he wasn't a commanding keeper. He didn't, you know, think, oh, my life depends on this. He didn't charge for the ball. You know, sort of like Smirke or, or would. he like, you know, this is this is for me. You know, he'd be straight onto it. Whereas De Gea is not all about that. And then, I think you have to look at the centre back pairing for Manchester United. Are they any good for Manchester United? I don't think they are. No.
1: Do you think it's the pairing, or do you think there's one one of the centre backs for Man United that is clearly not supposed to be there, or?
0: Well I think I think Harry Maguire is a good defender. Obviously everyone talks about his 80 million price tag, but you know he didn't choose to be 80 million pound worth. It was what the clubs did and obviously I think he's been sometimes fairly, you know, untreated fairly for that price tag. Obviously he lacks the pace to be I think a top defender, but if you put, you know, a top defender with pace next to him, that could be a good partnership. But then all the good centre back pairing you look at, they sort of always have a quick one and then a tall commanding one. Even you can even look at, you know, Van Dyke and Gomez last year with Manchester City, they have a good defence together, they have a good understanding together. You know, Van Dyke's got, you know, the commanding presence with even I mean he's even got pace himself and then Joe Gomez has pace as well, and they're just a good partnership with you know Victor Lindelof, he doesn't have the pace, he doesn't have the height. It's not very obviously, good. <laughs> No, you know what I mean? And then obviously putting him with Maguire, it just doesn't work, you know, having two centre-backs that have no pace together. Do you think, if you talk about kind of just linking Gomez
1: and Van Dijk to the conversation, is Harry Maguire the Joe Gomez or the Van Dijk?
0: I think with the money that we spent on him, people were looking to have the looking at him to have the same impact that he did with Virgil Van Dijk. You know, Virgil Van Dijk came in for £75 million, and he literally changed Liverpool's defence. Mm you know they they went from being you know probably fairly decent defensive side to like one of the best defensive sides in the league and obviously Alisson helped as well but you know United have got a good keeper in De Gea but Maguire just didn't have that impact mm. maybe that's due to the lack of his you know lack of partnership you know Gomez is a very good defender is a bit to Lindelof a good defender that's you know I think that's undecided yet so i think it's just down to the lack I think overall, it's the lack of pace. You have to have pace to be a good defender, I think. And um, unfortunately, they both don't have it. Yeah.
1: I mean, the one thing that kind of has obviously affected him is the price tag. And I hate that argument. I hate people talking about Harry Maguire saying, oh, you, you spent 80 million on him and he's crap. The whole 80 million thing, the whole price of footballers isn't to do necessarily with how good a footballer is. Obviously, a better footballer will go for more money. But the reason they'll go for more money is there's there's a basically in, in transfers you have a player value and you have a club club value of that player. So Harry Maguire, in reality, if he was on the bench for Leicester, they could have bought him for ten million, no problem. But because he played every single game was and was one of the key components to Leicester's defence, they have to say We're not going to get rid of him for anything less than 80 million because 80 million is going to rebuild their entire defence, which they're going to need to do. So I hate when people spout off, like, oh, Harry Maguire for 80 million, he should be a lot better. No, he shouldn't. Like,. He's, he's as good as he is. Man United <laughs> knew how good he was. It's not like Man United were there going, yeah, we we we're good. we want to spend eighty million on because he's going to be an eighty million pound player. Leicester would have said, no, you are not having him for less than eighty million. <laughs> so yeah. I don't buy that argument about him because by that logic, like, there is better players than Harry Maguire lower down in the leagues. So is Jack Grealish now worth two hundred million because he's an amazing player? No, he's worth two hundred million because Aston Villa literally wouldn't win a game without Jack Grealish you know what I mean so it's it's a fun yeah
0: I think one example was with uh, Declan Rice you hear all the teams wanting him but because like the sort of like West Ham value 80 million for him because he's that good of a player for them and that's how much they think he's worth to their team whereas then you look at like Chelsea only wanting to put 50 million but it's not because he's worth that much it's just that how much uh, Declan Rice is worth to West Ham Hmm.
1: and that's that's the thing it's like when you're buying, when you're paying eighty million, what you're effectively paying is a compensation fee. So that Leicester or West Ham or whoever it is, they're gonna have less clean sheets. But hypothetically, they're gonna have less clean sheets because of the transfer you're wanting to make. So I don't like. I don't like this money argument. It doesn't make sense. The you know it, it is stupid. it he <laughs> it, it was eighty million. Get over it. He's he's a decent player. Hmm. You, you know. You know what I mean. Like. Mbappe was one hundred and forty mil for a twenty-year-old or whatever it was.
0: But could you could you even say is arguably worth that much? Well, this is the thing is if,
1: if you think about,
0: does he perform like he's a hundred and forty million player or however much he well, was? No one can perform like a hundred and forty million. A hundred
1: and forty million
0: could buy you. I'd be I'd be wanting like four goals a game. Hundred and forty million could buy
1: you an entire football team.
0: So, mm.
1: is Mbappe? scoring all the goals, defending all the goals, saving all the goals, doing all the midfield roles, going in at half-time, doing all the work of the physios and the manager and the ground staff, and has he built the stadium himself? No one is worth that amount of money. It's just the value that people put on players. That's the whole point. That's why Mbappe, when Liverpool buy him, they won't buy him for £140 because there's no point. Because PSG will not value Mbappe... As much, they will, they will value him. Obviously, they won't value him as much as uh, Monaco did because he was the best player at Monaco. Mbappe isn't quite the best player at PSG. He's obviously only one off. In he's not better than Neymar, so I think his val. I don't think his value will go down necessarily, but I don't think they'll make much money on Mbappe. And I just don't like because it's all different everywhere. Like Ronaldo. Is what thirty odd years old? Gets sold for a hundred million. Yeah, credit. he turned thirty six so, like last week. But Ronaldo was less than Mbappe, so Mbappe is clearly better than Ronaldo. It's stupid. It's it's a, it's a stupid argument. So the money side of it doesn't really bother me. You go for whatever fee you go for, and you do the best you can. Um, yeah. I suppose one team because. Looking at Everton, there's probably, that's probably one team where the money they've spent has actually been clever rather than a lot. You know they, they've bought in players like Richarlison, who was an excellent buy, Alan, who I'd never heard of before, Decoré for little bits and bobs. They've they've funded the team quite well, and obviously James Rodriguez coming in there is just kind of that cherry on top kind of player where he's he's just perfect for him.
0: I think one team has done a bit of a better recruitment than than Everton would have to be Aston Villa.
1: Oh, of course it's. Oh, Whoever's doing Aston Villa's scouting is worth 80
0: million. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, they beat Arsenal at the weekend 1 0 due to a uh, Ollie Watkins goal. And obviously, Ollie Watkins came from Brentford in the Championship. You probably know a bit more about him than I do because you're a know, Forest fan. And obviously, there's one player that you know very well uh, in Matty Cash as well.
1: Never a handball. <laughs> 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 was that even that game? I don't even know. If it... No, it was that game.
0: Uh, no, it was a game against Southampton. Oh, yeah,
1: that was the one. Yeah, no, that was never a handball. I love you. I think Matty Cash has been one of the best defenders in the league. To be honest, I, I think. Can, well, I think I obviously that. that the entire def- this is my thing, right? And this is going to sound mental. That back four is all English. Is it worth taking all of them to the Euros because you don't need to worry about them playing together? If you know what I mean, like they don't need the chemistry because they've already got it.
0: Could you take all of them? I don't know if I want Matty Target playing left-back for the Euros against Mbappe, you know what I mean? That
1: is the only problem, that when Mbappe or Neymar or Ronaldo or Messi are running toward Oh, not well, not Messi. Um, <laughs> or, or or Neymar. This is the Euros. Oh,
0: yeah, true. I didn't, I didn't clock Neymar.
1: Yeah, when, when those players are running at you, I'm not sure Matty Target's the one I want, but <laughs> apart from... I mean...
0: But then you say that, he's shut down quite a few Premier League attacks this year.
1: Yeah, and one of the things I think we need to stop doing with Aston Villa, and one of the things I'm certainly going to stop doing, is what we did last week, is they go against a team with a name, like Arsenal, like Man United, all these kind of teams, and we instantly just write them off. I remember last week I said I was going to put Martinez on my FPL bench because he was going to have three goals put past him. And that defence, as always, were outstanding. As I know what Dean Smith or John Terry, well, it's obviously John Terry, what John Terry's doing in the background, but it's working so unbelievably well. The defence is class, the goalkeeper's class, and that gives, you know, and I think someone who doesn't get the mention he deserves, uh, the two players are Douglas Louise and John McGinn for that engine room type job. John McGinn is up and down the pitch constantly, Douglas Louise is up and down the pitch, but he's a lot more of kind of the clearing up the mess kind of role and that just leaves the front three to do whatever they want I just think Aston Villa are unbelievable and I hate writing them off when they come up against a big team it's it's kind of I don't even know how to describe it they're just unbelievable they're just really really good I think Arsenal probably would have wanted more they probably should have got more
0: because I think I think it was quite peak in the way that they obviously sold Martinez didn't they
1: well I mean I think, to be honest, it's the most disrespectful transfer ever. When Martinez came in for the games in the FA Cup, he was unbelievable. You know, he plays in the final.
0: Well, he, he won the, he won them. But you could say the FA exactly. Cup in a way, he was that good in the games for it. And then for them just to sell him, it's pathetic. And he's then been if there. you look at now, you look at Leno's performance last week. You know, the handball. He's obviously been red carded and suspended for three games, and they've had to use you know Matt Ryan and their reserve goalkeeper. I think they they wish they could have him now.
1: Well, this is the thing that, that annoys me is they've they've sold him and they've brought him Matt Ryan.
0: Just don't sell him. Now, unless no. he was keen to
1: leave because he wanted football, then fair enough. And obviously Villa would have seen him and offered a decent fee for him and for Arsenal, it's obviously, you know, they're not using him so any money they make on him is fine. But he's been there for nine years, so some respect. It is ridiculous. No. He's been there for nine years and never played. Other players that have been yeah, at Arsenal for that long. Carl Jenkinson, he's on the bench at Forest. You know what I mean? It's it's ridiculous and I yeah. I I mean it's it's all props to Villa and it's kind of a, a, a middle finger to to Arsenal from Martinez. Um yeah. and I just think that Aston Villa side could go so far if they have another good summer this summer, invest well. And again, I think every single player in every single position could end up being one of the best in that position.
0: I think that's the key thing: making sure that they invest well this summer.
1: But yeah, like Tiara Mings is unbelievable. You probably don't want to swap him. Cashy's been unbelievable. Triore has been really good. Ollie Watkins is going to be one hell of a player. I think we've we've mentioned in our notes about him playing think, for England. Do you think
0: he's got a chance for the England yeah, squad? I was
1: just going to say, I think he's he's got to be, honey. If you look at who's scored more oh, goals than him, that's Cause... English.
0: Well, if you look at the English strikers in that we've got, you know, sort of Danny Ings, Harry Kane, obviously, Calvert-Lewin, Marcus Rashford. I know he didn't play up front, but I think the attacking talents that Man United, uh England, not Man United, England, I've got is just too many. I don't know if he could make it in.
1: Well, if I'm honest, I wouldn't bother with Danny Ings. He's too old. Obviously, he's good. I think you'd maybe bother with him for the Euros, and that's it. Um,
0: you want to obviously age is on Ollie Watkins side. Yeah, I,
1: I do believe that Ollie Watkins will be one of England's main main strikers soon. Uh, he's too good not to be. He will grow. Would you
0: have him over Calvert Lewin?
1: No, I think I'd go Kane, Calvert Lewin, Ings at the minute, but I think not for very long. And then Ollie Watkins no. is the fourth choice, probably another player, Patrick Bamford. He that's is the true. he's, he's been, one of the top ten top goal scorers, top five top goal scorers this year. He's,
0: he has been the driving force for Leeds this season. Now, the only
1: reason I put him below Ollie Watkins is because when you play for Leeds, you get about three hundred chances a game. So actually, scoring <laughs> scoring eleven goals or whatever it is isn't actually that good. So yeah. and that's that says a lot about how good Patrick Bamford can be. Um, the fact that he you know Arsenal are playing Eddie and when Nketiah was at Leeds. Patrick Bamford got in over him every single time, and they had to recall the loan. So, I think it's it's an interesting one with the England conversation. I don't think Gareth Southgate will pick him, just because he'll pick he'll pick Kane, DCL, Ings. He might make him. He might make him a fourth choice. But when you bring in, I'm assuming he's going to take Rashford. He's probably going to take Greenwood. There you can do a job up top just as easily and I think England's problem isn't going forward it's very clearly the defence so to be honest you might even only want to take one striker because I know I talk about Matty Cash for England but Matty Cash plays right back but is traditionally a right winger so if they wanted someone that can do a bit of both there seems no reason why if they wanted to as a player to keep on the bench they just keep him uh, keep Matty Cash in there maybe but the, the England England conversation is going to be a very interesting one this year if it
0: happens what do you think England's chances are winning the Euros zero
1: really Germany are far too good France are far too good Uh, Poland have got Lewandowski so it wouldn't surprise me if they beat us Spain probably not Uh, who else is there Croatia will probably come and be a bit resurgent this year Um, Portugal oh yeah well you can never count Portugal out but I mean we've got a chance but it's just Gareth Southgate man
0: i do think it's the it goes down to the manager i think that's been the problem for the last couple of england tournaments uh, not having the right manager there and i don't think obviously gareth southgate did well when there was the world cup but i mean if you look at the run that we had the teams were they were they were, they were rubbish colombia um whoever uh, I don't know panama did we play we lost to the only good team that we played that tournament we we beat Sweden two 0 with two headers I think it was mm. and then we played and then we played one decent team and we just grumbled. Let's let's
1: not. Can you remember the Tunisia game? Was it?
0: Yes. Oh. Oh wait. Where were we? Barcelona, bro. We were in Barcelona, <laughs> we were in Barcelona was, watching the. Yeah, uh, England Tunisia. What happened after um, Harry Kane scored that 90th minute goal? Nothing. Please tell me. You don't, uh, I was going to say. If you no, I I what no, happened. I definitely
1: remember. I'm just, just you know. It, it, I ran into the sea. I got excited. You ran into the sea. And then I cut my knee, actually. <laughs> uh, that was quite interesting. But again, that was a 90th minute winner against Tunisia. Tunisia. Yeah. It's it's just a bit... I don't know. I feel like all I'm saying, and I think we'll, we'll leave the England and the football conversation for this point. Rafael Benitez has been, without club... Apart from, what is your
0: obsession with Benitez for England? I'm sorry,
1: he's been <laughs> unemployed for ages. He was one of the best managers the Premier League's ever seen, and we've got Gareth Southgate, <laughs> the, the basically the Middlesbrough manager is now managing England. So Neil Warnock will be next. Like I talk around, should Jonathan, be involved. Jonathan Woodgate. Okay. It's pathetic. Just get him out. Get anyone else in. He looks. He looks more like a PE teacher than he does an England manager. I mean that could that could easily be Frank Lampard's next job.
0: Because yeah, I think he's be. one of the guys who, be, knows, who knows. Oh, the then he'll be playing Mason Mount over Jack Grealish.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. Uh wouldn't mind. Yeah, I mean, would it make a difference? The two very good
0: players. Nah, I mean true. Yeah, but, yeah, but when you got Phil Foden on my bench,
1: I mean Callum Hudson Odoi'd be straight in there, which is just so wrong. <laughs> he is so overrated. Jesus Christ. Calum odoi Everyone was saying, "Oh, he's going to go to Bayern Munich. It's going to be amazing." What the? Gee, he's so average. <laughs> he's so, Tommy Abraham, how have we forgotten him? No, he's true. But yeah, I think I think yeah. that can kind of end the uh, the football channel.
0: Well, I think I just want to make a prediction. Um, I think England are going to win the Euros. You heard it here first time. And
1: I believe we are going to get to the semi-finals. And I think that France are going to win the Euros.
0: France, France are nothing except Mbappe, Paul Actually, Pogba, and you know, Kanté, Hugo yeah, okay, Lloris, yeah. Varane. <laughs> yeah, they've got nothing on uh, Harry Kane and, and Harry Maguire.
1: <laughs> anyway, are we going to do FPL talk now? Uh, I yeah. think we can. So it's been not re- It's been quite a while since the game week that we referred to last week because obviously the FA Cup's been this weekend we've seen some fairly decent results I don't think there's been any big upsets has there, that you can think of nothing no. nothing major nothing that we'd comment on the main things to obviously talk about is pretty much everything we've already talked about already is uh, Heung-Min Son and Phil Foden uh, I had Phil Foden on my bench which made me cry but I did say that Son wouldn't do anything and he did and I got 20 points off Heung-Min Son so thank you very much Ben Suchek.
0: Oh yeah, he got me a, he got a red card that then was overturned, so basically wasn't a red card, which still got me minus three <laughs> points though, and he ended up getting zero points.
1: Yeah, I mean that that was a dodgy one. I mean we both
0: said that Suchek would bang, and we've done this
1: three times in a row now. Or twice in a row.
0: Twice in a row, yeah, twice
1: in a row where we've said something would happen and the exact opposite's happened.
0: That's well, why I'm just looking at my team now to ready we uh, getting ready to predict who's gonna bang but then mm. won't bang.
1: Well, actually, the, the deadline is... Or was it today? Was it today?
0: Yeah, 11, 11 tomorrow. o'clock tomorrow.
1: So we could actually finalise our teams right now. I've had a bit of an injury crisis in the sense that James Justin, it has been announced, he has done his ACL and he's out for the rest of the season. So that was a good purchase. Uh, Ruben Diaz uh, is apparently ill, so he might not play. <laughs> <laughs> and Antonio uh, is fatigued, so he might not play. Have you got any <laughs> any injuries or anything, Ben?
0: I've also got Justin. I've had him for quite a while, much longer than you. So obviously, but he luckily he was on my bench for this game week anyway. Um, I've got Timo, uh, Timo Werner, who had a bit, a small bit of a resurgent, and he's got a dead leg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sorry, <laughs> sorry what, mate? Um, and I've also got Antonio, who. By the looks of it, is apparently a bit tired. <laughs> so so Antonio's knackered and Timo Werner's got a bit of a bruise. <laughs> Timo Werner's got a oh dead leg.
1: Um, yeah, one thing no. that I'm gonna gonna say now, and it's gonna be a prediction that's probably gonna go wrong. Man City have got a double game week this week. Tottenham and Everton. So I've captain Phil Foden.
0: Oh, see, I've gone for the captain of Gunduan, who has been on very good form, and I'm gonna say hopefully we'll bag lots of points. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it's sensible to captain a Man City player at this point.
0: So, uh, when we come next week, we'll probably see Gundogan got a red card, <laughs> missed a penalty.
1: And managed to kill someone, which squ- altogether squ- got him minus 10. Scored an scored yeah. own goal. Yeah. Actually, no, it'd be worse than that. He just won't play. <laughs> <laughs> He'll get a dead leg in the first uh, minute, and then he won't play against uh, Everton. I mean, yeah, so if we just say our team's out, out loud, and then if anyone kind of sticks out, we'll we'll mention them. Do you want to go first?
0: Okay, I can do. I've got uh, Mendy in goal. Uh, Luke Shaw, Aaron Questwell and Cancelo Luke as my defence.
1: one I didn't think about, but I think you've mentioned him before. I think that's yeah. a good shout.
0: Especially with playing West Bomb this weekend. Uh, I think that should be a clean sheet written all over it for Luke Shaw. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, and I've, uh, my midfield is Fernandez, Gounty goal Grealish, uh, Gundawan, and mm-hmm. Saka. And then I've got Antonio, Cavani, and Werner up front. So I'm looking forward to just one of them playing.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, you banking on a Cavani
0: start? Yeah, I think uh, Martial's not been at the races this season, so I'm expecting Cavani mm. to start. See, uh, which means though, I have had to demote Sun to my uh, bench. See,
1: I've, I've had to to change my team literally just because of injuries. So Diaz, I've n- I'm not played, but I think he might be all right. So I might Google it later see how he's doing. Uh, James Justin obviously <laughs> won't play. I've actually... So, with mine, I've gone for Martinez in goal over De Gea. Because last time last oh, time yeah. I doubted Martinez, he got a clean sheet. So, I'm not going to do that again.
0: Are you ready for him to concede this week?
1: Oh, of course. It's going to be... Well, he's playing Brighton and Hove Alvion. I've been the worst team all season. Strikes have been crap. They're going to score they beat 1-0. Yeah, a win's a win. No, I, th- I, th- I think Martinez should be a good show. So, in goal, I've gone for Martinez... And then I've gone three at the back, Cancelo, Cresswell, Rukwan, Bissaka. So hopefully that should be another clean sheet for me. Whilst you've got Luke Shaw, I've got AWB. I've got Bruno Fernandes, vice-captain, with Madison, Foden, Grealish and Son in the middle. Oh, that sounds a very good midfield. So that could really, really do some damage. And then it goes to absolute pot up front, because I've got Antonio and Firmino. (laughs) (laughs) So all my goals are going to come from midfield. Um, and on the bench, just in case, you know, in case anything goes wrong, I've got Fabio Silva.
0: Oh, yeah, Wolves player. Yep, who
1: has scored one Premier League goal.
0: <laughs> Watch him score three this weekend.
1: Uh, of course he will. And he's on my bench, so it won't, won't surprise me. But yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything really. I think we've all got fairly regular teams.
0: Well, I think a few people were saying that they were a bit shocked as to me having Werner, but he's, you know, the assist of coming in a bit clutch but I'm still waiting on that goal but he's got a favorable a favorable game against Newcastle
1: what your what are your predictions in terms of a rough ballpark park of how many points you're going to get
0: i'm feeling 80
1: 80 i think i'm going to go somewhere in the 60s because you know, I mean, we don't we don't make enough predictions on here, so we might as well just make ourselves look even more stupid.
0: No, I think with the uh, obviously the captain and the double game week for Manchester City, I think we've got a real good chance to get some points. You know, even if they get a goal into sort of both games, potentially that you know that gets you a lot of points. And you know, I've got a average, I've got a very good team all around it as well. So
1: yeah, it'd be an interesting one. I think at that we will wrap it up. We unless will. you've got anything
0: else, Ben. No, I don't think we've got anything else to say. Good, good.
1: So. One thing I did want to mention—I completely forgot to tell you this, Ben. So this will be the first time you're hearing it as well. Okay. Is I think that for the next podcast, for like ten minutes at the start, we should maybe just put a poll out on Instagram or a questions thing out on Instagram. Oh yeah. See if we can answer some of the some of the people at home's questions because we haven't really got we haven't really got to know our audience that well. Email no, we probably do know all of them already. <laughs> um, it'd be it'd be nice to get some questions in. So look out for that. We'll try and get that out kind of on Monday-ish. And yeah, if, like I say, if you do have any questions, please follow me in. As always, if you are interested in coming on the podcast, send us a message. And until next week, I've been Ben. And I've been Ben. And this has been the BOLF Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time.
0: Bye-bye.